How many of you brought your Bibles to church this morning? Bible is a good thing. Praise the Lord. And uh, we can follow along on the screen if you don't have a Bible also, but I encourage you to bring your Bibles to church so that you can take it home and bring a piece of paper and a pencil with you or a pen. Take notes, jot things down so that you can go home. You know, the Bereans, the Bible says the Bereans, when they heard the word of God being taught, being preached, being whatever, they went home and they searched the scriptures to see if it was so. And so I encourage you, write down, take notes, write scriptures down, go home, meditate on the thing. You can also go to the website and listen to it again. But I've learned personally in my personal spiritual life journey that I've always been enriched, most always, when I took notes and wrote things down. I listened to many sermons, but the ones that I found stood with me the most impacted me the most are the ones that I took notes on and wrote down and went home and just meditated on. And so I encourage you to take notes. I love, if you don't take notes, I love you any the same. I love you whether you take notes or not. But I encourage you from knowing how it's blessed me to take notes, okay? Praise God. And God is so wonderful. You know, I don't tell my wife what to teach in Sunday school, and, and I don't listen. I ask her or ahead what she's doing. I might just ask her, hon, what chapter are you on? What? And she might tell me. So I don't know what, what she's going to say in Sunday school. I don't know what Brother Dave is going to come up here and say when he takes the offering. I don't know. I don't ask him, Brother, what are you going to say? What are you gonna? It just works that way. But God, how many of you know God speaks to us? Huh? He's the living God. He speaks to us as a church. And I've overheard some of the things my wife was saying. I'm talking about love back there. I heard Brother Dave come up here talking about love. And guess the verse that we're one of the verses that we're going to start with in one of the focuses here today is love. So I think God is trying to say something to us as a church about love. So do you have an ear to hear what God has to say? A heart to receive. Amen. Praise God. Turn with me to 1 Corinthians chapter number 13. We've been going through the Bible, through the Word of God, and we've been looking at how God works through the Holy Spirit. From Genesis through Revelation, the, the, the importance of our looking to and depending upon and calling upon the power and the indwellingness of the Holy Spirit in our lives. He is the one who gives us the ability and the strength to live life as a Christian, as a lover of Jesus. He gives us the power to overcome the things in our life that by our own strength and power we can. And so he's a wonderful, he's part of the Godhead. Do you love Father God? Do you love Jesus? You've got to love the Holy Spirit. The Holy, the, you know, and don't think of him as some spooky entity. He is a loving, powerful part of the Godhead. And so he, he does, he, he does dwell in you, the Bible says. And, as we says that when he comes into our life, he brings the things of God, the heart of God into our life. And we have to say, yes, Lord, have your way in us. In 1 Corinthians chapter 13, and I want to I want to look at verse number 13, the last verse of that. Well, look at verse number one first. Okay, 13 chapter, chapter 13, verse one. 
The Bible says, if I speak with the tongues of men and of angels, but do not have love, I've become a noisy gong or a clanging cymbal. How many of you have heard your wife in the kitchen or somebody banging pots and pans in the kitchen, bang, boom, boom? That's not a, you don't get up and dance to that sound, do you? It's like, but you know, if you get a bunch of pots and you bang them all together, is that a pleasant sound? How many of you would like to do that all day? Just got bang some pots together, huh? Walk down the street banging pots together and that, that's not good. The Bible tells us that we must have faith. The Bible says without faith, it is impossible to please God. So faith is a key to our walk with Christ. We must have faith. We must walk by faith, live by faith, amen, in Christ, in God. It's key. We can't live our life without faith. It is impossible to please God without faith. God's given us a hope of heaven. Amen. How many of you believe there's a heaven to gain after we live our journey? Huh? That's what the Bible tells us. Heaven is real. We're living each life with Christ, knowing that when this life ends, when our journey is over, there awaits us a mansion in heaven. This is what Jesus says. I go to prepare a place for you, that where I am, you may be also. This is a reality. It's not a fantasy, it's a reality. This is what the Bible teaches us. Jesus taught it over and over again. And so God makes clear there's a heaven prepared for us that we might live with God for all of eternity. That's our hope. That's our hope. People that don't have that hope live for for themselves and for other things. And they'll come to the end of the journey of their life and found out They lost out. They missed out on what God so so desirously wanted them to obtain. Life with Him in the kingdom. God wants you. God's prepared a place for you. So faith and hope are necessary for our walk with God. But greater than that, greater than faith... And the Bible tells us, we just heard it, without faith it's impossible to please God. But there's something greater than that, greater than our hope of heaven, and that is love. Because God is love. God wants our lives to be filled with His love. So how do we do that? How do we pull up to the pump and say, Lord, fill me up with your love? You go to the pumps in the gas station and you got your choice of high octane, medium octane, or no octane, or whatever octane, or whatever, low octane, right? But with God doesn't give you a choice of grades of his love. God doesn't say, I'll give you the lesser of my love and you can have the greater of my love. And There's no options when it comes to love. When we ask God to fill us with his love, and we don't even have to ask God, because God is love. The Bible says God is love. So when you call upon the name of Christ and ask Him to come into your life, what you're doing is you're inviting all of the Godhead, God is love. You're asking God's love to fill your life. How many of you want God's love to fill their life? Yeah. And so God's love comes into your life, 
And the Bible declares the greatest thing that you, that we as believers can have and understand and walk in and live in is love. It says, if you got, if you speak with tongues of angels, and the Bible then elsewhere says, you can have faith to move mountains, but if you do not have love, you have nothing. Faith worketh by love. God wants love. And who, how do we get that love? I said, how do we pull up to the pump and get God's love? We pull up to the cross of Christ and we say, Jesus, take away my sin, come into my life, make me a new creation. And then he fills us with his Holy Spirit. And it is the Holy Spirit of God in us who, when we say, Father, Holy Spirit, come and unleash in me the love of God. Work work in me that I may live for you, Holy Spirit. Give me the power to manifest and live and walk in the love of God. It is only through the power of the Holy Spirit in you that you can manifest the love of God. If the Holy Spirit is active in you, the Holy Spirit is in every person. Don't let me say this. Every one of you has the Holy Spirit in you. But as I said over and over again, it's like having the software in your hard drive. But until you activate it, until you unzip it, you cannot access the functions of that program. But is it there? Yeah, it's on your hard drive. The Holy Spirit is in you. But we've got to activate him. We've got to say, Holy Spirit, I give you freedom to work your work in me. That's the code. That's the unzipping. Giving the Holy Spirit permission. God is God, but God will not force you to do anything. How many of you know God does not want robots? If God wanted a robot, he would have just, he could have just, who wants to be a robot? Huh? You want to be a robot? No, God makes us a people with choice. And God wants us to choose to have the Holy Spirit work His work in us. So when you say, Holy Spirit, have your way inside of me, work your power in me, help me, transform me, change me, let the manifest love of God flow in my life and through my life, that's when He rises up within you with His power and he brings forth the love of God into your heart, into your mind, and it flows out of you, and it flows to the world around you. And so the agape love of God, the agape love of God, flows through us, through, through the Holy Spirit, and that's why it says, the greatest of these is love. Verse chapter 14, verse number 1. Pursue love. Yet desire earnestly the spiritual gifts. And how, who brings the spiritual gifts? The Holy Spirit. God wants us, Paul says, seek earnestly the spiritual gifts, but first of all, pursue, what does he say? Love. Because if you're, if we are pursuing spiritual gifts without love, we're going to be damaging ourselves and we're going to be damaging the people around us. Because God wants the gifts, the spiritual gifts, to operate in and through love. Because when they're operated through love, they bring life, they bring healing, they bring wholeness into our life. That's why God puts the emphasis on love, on love, on love. God wants you to have love. You say, it's hard for me to love. 
Yeah, it is. It's hard for me to love. But I depend upon the Holy Spirit in me to help me love. You're no different from me. I'm no different from you. We, it's difficult for us to love the way God wants us to love unless we have access to the Holy Spirit in us, power to may cause us to let that love flow. And it's there for us to love. So God wants us to speak. Uh, in, in, in to live in the power and anointing of the Holy Spirit, to seek to be Spirit-filled, but greater than that is to have the love. Then, let everything operate out of and through that love. Amen? Praise God. 1 Corinthians chapter 15. Let's move over a little bit to verse number 45. It says, And so it is written, The first man, Adam, became a living being, and the last, Adam, became a life Giving spirit. 1 Corinthians 15, verse 45. And it's talking about the first man, Adam, was born from natural. The second man, meaning Christ, Jesus, became a life-giving spirit. Meaning Christ rose from the dead by the power of the Holy Spirit. And Jesus said, when I go, I will send my Holy Spirit to be with you forever. And God, through His Christ, through the resurrection and the sending and the giving of the Holy Spirit, brings life to you and to I. What is life? Life isn't just breathing air. That's not just life. Life isn't just being out and smelling the roses. That's nice. That's good. But life is knowing God. Life is coming to know who He is, to seeing Him for who He is, to understand God has a purpose for your life. He loves you. He wants you to come to know Him, His love, His power, His might in your life. This is life. This is what life is. Life isn't in the flesh and blood. The Bible says this will pass away. The body, when you, if I take this jacket off and throw it down, it's going to stay there. I'm going to be over here. When we depart from this flesh and blood body, it's going into the grave or whatever, and it's going to rot. But my soul, my spirit, will live forever with God. If I love Him and believe on Him and trust Him and look to Him, He's the author and finisher of my fate. Now let's move over to 2 Corinthians. I want to just finish up in 2 Corinthians looking at the Holy Spirit of God. The Holy Spirit wants to bring the love of God. He wants to bring life into us. Life of knowing who God is. 2 Corinthians chapter 1, verse number uh, 21. 2 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 21. Now he who establishes us with you in Christ and hath anointed us is God. You see, God, what does the word established mean? It means set into something that will endure. An establishment is something that has been there and is going to stay and going to remain. God establishes us. He puts us in Christ and he wants us to remain there. He wants us to grow in Christ, to take root in Christ. What does it mean to be in Christ? It means that we, we ask Him to, to be our Savior and Lord and that to teach us. Lord, teach me. 
I want, I'm a disciple. I want to learn. Disciple means a learner. How many of you want to learn from Christ? Amen. He's the teacher. He's the creator of, of heaven and earth. He's the creator of everything. He's all wisdom. He's all knowledge. And God, to be in Christ, means we want to be in his love, in his mercy, in his forgiveness, in his teaching, in his working in our lives to make us who we want to be. So it says, God who established you in Christ and has anointed us, and has anointed us, who hath also sealed us, and given the earnest of the Spirit, in the Greek is the Holy Spirit, in our hearts. We see the whole the Trinity at work. We see Father God has given to you and I His only begotten Son, Jesus Christ. He's given Him to us. We didn't, we didn't earn it. We didn't deserve Him. We didn't write and send Him an email and say, Can you come and save me? God loved you enough to see that you were dead in sin and says, I don't want him to die. I don't want that individual to die in sin. I'm giving my only begotten son to go and rescue him that he may have life, that they may have life in me. So God gave us his son and he's anointed us. He's put an anointing on us, which means God wants to work in your life. God chooses to work in your life. We just have to respond. God has given us an invitation. Can I work in your life? Can I be? Can I make you who I want you to be? It's an invitation. We must respond. Yes, Lord. Our response must be, yes, Lord. That's all. Yes, Lord. Can you say yes? Is it too hard to say yes? No is a shorter word. Yes is a longer word than no. But yes brings much more benefits. No brings no benefits. Yes brings all of God's power and blessing to work in your life. And it says, He has given us the earnest of the Spirit in our hearts. Now, how many of you know what earnest means? You know, you look at the King James Version, earnest? What's earnest? You know, somebody you think it might be somebody's name, earns? No, earnest is a down payment. How many of you have put a down payment on your house? Or you know what a down payment is, right? If you were to put a down payment of $40,000, I'm just using this as an example. If somebody was to put down a down payment of $40,000 on a house, would you want to lose that $40,000? Huh? You would fight not to lose that $40,000, right? You would argue, you would you would get in her face, you would do whatever it takes to not to lose that 40000 right? And God says that he's given because he loves you enough. He's prepared a place for you in heaven that God wants you to live. God put a down payment on your life that he wants you to live with him in his house forever. And God says, I've put a down payment. I've given my Holy Spirit. I've sealed you with the Holy Spirit. In other words, who can break in? If God put a seal on you, who can break in? Nobody, but you can break out. Please, don't break out of what God wants to do in you. Stay is sealed with that Holy Spirit, with his love. God says, I will never leave you nor forsake you. I've sealed you with my Holy Spirit. And so being within that seal, have the Holy Spirit that you're sealed with, have him active in you. He wants to be. 
He wants to be your comforter, your friend, your leader, your guider, and, and, and all these things. So he sealed us, the earnest of our spirit. First Corinthians, Second Corinthians chapter 3. I just want to look at two more verses here. Second Corinthians chapter 3, verses uh, 1 to 8. Or verses, let's just go to verse 3. Second Corinthians chapter 3, verse 3. The Bible says, uh, well, verse 2. The Bible says that you are, you and me, believers in Christ, that you are an epistle written in our hearts, known and read by all men. The Bible says your life, your life is being read by the people around you. How many of you know this world reads you, who you are, what you say, what you do? The world looks at you. You can't, we can't escape it. None of us can escape it. The world, your friends know what you do, what you say, what you think. Everybody does. The world reads you. That's what it's all about. You're being read by all men, not just some men, all men look at you and they could tell you what you are, what you do, what you think. Now, God knows who we are, what we do and what we think. But God is merciful and gracious. God knows that he has paid an ultimate price for us. And through all our faults and failings, God cleanses us, loves us, and says, Come on, I'm the glory and the lifter of your head. Men that read your life will try to condemn you. Try to say, who do you think you are? You did this. You said that. You went here. You did that. Men will always try to put your head in the mud and say, who do you think you are? But God says, I know who you are. A sinner saved by grace. Washed by the blood of Christ. You're an arm, the glory and the lifter of your head. God doesn't want to rub your head in the mud, in the muck and mire. God is the one who's taken you out, cleaned you up, and says, I forgive you, I love you, walk with me. And if you stumble, that's okay, get up and walk with me. God knows where you've been and what you've done. God knows where I was. And what I've done and said, I should not be here today. I should have been dead and buried a long time ago because of the things I've did and said. But God, in His mercy and His grace, says, I love you. You're forgiven. Walk with me. And here I am today, serving God, never to go back to the things I used to do. My life is committed to Christ. And I pray you live for Jesus from this day on. The past is past. God says, walk with me today. Let's start a new journey. Let's start a new road. Come with me. Walk with me. And he says, clearly, for as much as you are manifestly declared to be the epistle of Christ, ministered by us, written not with ink, Ink in those days was very erasable. You can get a ink in those days. You could have just washed away real easy. When you see ink in there, it, it, it's like it, ink was like, what's the big deal? You could just get rid of that. But God says that in Christ, you're His epistle, but not written, not with ink, but by the, but with the Spirit of the Living God, not in tables of stone, but in fleshly tables of the heart. God works in your life by the power of His Word and of His Holy Spirit. And when the Spirit of God is active in you, when you say, yes, Holy Spirit, work your work in me, starting today. The world starts reading you differently. 
because there's going to be a change in your life. And you're not going to be perfect, but there's going to be a change in your life. And you know what? The people that have been reading your life are going to start reading a change. Uh-oh, something happened to, the, to him. I know. Nobody has to tell them. They'll start reading a different epistle, a different thing. Because the Holy Spirit brings change in your life for good, for good, for God. But you, we have to say, yes, Lord, come and work your work in me, that I could be a living epistle. And in verse number six of here, I just want to do two more verses. Verse number six here, it says, for the letter who also has made us able ministers of the New Testament, not of the letter, but of the Spirit. For the letter killeth, but the Spirit gives life. God is worth concerned about our heart. He's not a God of do this, do this, do this, or else, or else, or else, or else. God knows the letter kills. That's why God gave the Ten Commandments, because He wanted man to see that there's no way you could keep the Ten Commandments and live. You cannot. That's why God brought Jesus. Because God is not interested in killing you. God is not interested in sitting back and see whether you can obey or not. He wants us to obey out of love. But God knows that we can't do it on our own. And that's why he gave us Jesus. Because it is through Christ that we can live. God is concerned about the heart. And that's why God said in the Old Testament, when he gave the commandments, he says, the day's coming when I'm going to put within you a new heart and a new spirit that will be able to love me and follow me and walk with me and allow me to have access to working in your life. God wants to work in your life. Will you please allow him to work in your life? That's all he's asking. Let me in. Let my construction crew come in. Me, my love, my word, and my Holy Spirit. Yeah. Yeah. God has a construction crew. His love, his son, his Holy Spirit. When they come into our lives, things change. Ah, new roads get built. New thoughts get thought. New songs get sung. Ah, hallelujah. New works get done. New things begin to happen when God begins to work in our life. But we've got to give him the permit to do it. Every construction project needs a permit. Right? And you've got to pay for a permit, depending upon the size of the construction. But what do we have to do to get that permit? To give God permission, just say yes. Lord, you got my permit. You've got my permission to come and work your work in my life. And this is what the Holy Spirit wants to do. And it says in verse number verse number nine, it says, For the ministration of condemnation be glory, but much more doth the ministration of righteousness exceed glory, meaning The ministration of righteousness is the working of the Holy Spirit in your life. Brings glory, brings glory to God, brings glory into your life, and it changes you, and it changes the way the world sees you. It changes the way you affect the world around you. God wants to work a wonderful work in your life. 
through the power of the Holy Spirit. And it begins by us giving him permission, saying, yes, Holy Spirit, come and work your work in me, that I can be an epistle that can be read of all men, that I believe in you, that I have faith in you, that I'm trying in the power and anointing of your Holy Spirit to live for you. I'm not perfect. You will never be perfect. And if someone tells you they are perfect, run from them. If you go to a church that says they're perfect, leave immediately. Because there is no such thing as a perfect person or a perfect church. We are works in progress. But as works in progress, we need to love one another, encourage one another. And if somebody falls, don't kick them. Pick them up. Love them. And say, but for the grace of God, it could be me. And so love one another. Encourage one another to faith. In the, in the Word of God and in the Holy Spirit. Stand with me this morning as we end this morning service. And I just want you to pray. A simple prayer. And we don't have to ask God to give us the Holy Spirit because we already have Him. We just need to pray in your own words and ask, thank God for His love. Thank God for His salvation for your life. Thank God for the Holy Spirit in you. And give him permission today. I just want to ask you to take a moment right now and just just close your eyes. Don't look at anybody else. Close your eyes and just say, Father, I thank you for loving me. I thank you for giving me, Jesus, your only begotten Son, to die for my sins. Thank you, Jesus, for being my Savior and my Lord. I want you alive in me, working in me. Come and have your way with me, Holy Spirit. I give you permission to reconstruct me inwardly, to reconstruct my thoughts, to reconstruct my heart, to reconstruct my desires, to take my gifts and talents to be used for your glory and for your name's sake. I give you permission to work the work of righteousness in and through my life. And above all, I give you permission to let your love fill me and flow through me to the world around me. In Jesus' name. Pray that prayer. Pray in your own words. Ask, give the Holy Spirit permission to be unleashed in your life. Praise be to God. Father, I pray for every person in this house today. Lord, that they will call upon your name, that they may know you more today than they've ever done before. Lord God, and I just thank you that you take this word and seal it within us in the power and anointing of the Holy Spirit of God. In Jesus' name. Brother Joe, I want to ask you to come, and I want to ask you to close in prayer. But before you do, is there anyone here who's never asked Jesus Christ to forgive them of their sins and be their Savior and Lord. Is there anyone here that would like to do that today for the first time? Christ paid a wonderful price for your life. And all he says is, will you believe on me that I gave myself for you? Is there anyone here who would like to give their heart to Christ today? If you've all done that already, some of us may have said there's I I haven't been walking the way I should with Jesus. But I know that with his help, I want to start walking the way that he desires me to walk. 
How many of you want to walk great, have a greater walk with Jesus? Every hand should be up. How many would want to walk a greater walk with Jesus? I want you to pray and ask Christ, Lord, help me. Just right where you are, just you say, Lord, help me. Come on, church, let's all say it together. Lord, help me to live for you. I want your power at work in me. That every breath I take, with every day that you give me, I may come to know you and your love, your ways. And I pray, Holy Spirit, you will help me to walk in the path of righteousness. Forgive me, Father, for the days and the times I sidestepped your pathway. And went my own way. Forgive me. Forgive me. Now I choose. To walk. The path of righteousness. For your name's sake. And I call upon you to help me. To guide me. To strengthen me. To enable me. To stay on that pathway. Until the day. I see you face to face. In the glorious kingdom of God. Amen.